The following is a conversation between Jeff Walker, chairman of New Profit, and Denver Frederick, the host of The Business of Giving. At a time of crisis, when many nonprofit and social enterprise organizations are fighting for their very survival, visionary and empathic leadership has never been so important. And one of the most effective ways that leaders can develop useful skills, such as enhancing interpersonal relationships, is through the process of self-inquiry. And here to discuss that, it's a pleasure to have with us Jeff Walker, the chairman of New Profit. Welcome back to the Business of Giving, Jeff. Thanks, Denver. Great to be here. You know, I want to get into the self-inquiry, but first, around the COVID-19 pandemic, you've been working with uh, others around an initiative by the National Governors uh, Association. Share with us some of the elements of that. Yeah, sure. It's uh, kind of a unique way for philanthropists to be able to help governors work together for trying to design strategies to address the COVID crisis. And uh, was introduced actually to them by Eric Schmidt's team. And he's uh, called Eric uh, uh, Schmidt Futures and a guy named Tom Khalil. And they identified this group of people in the National Governors Association, which is bipartisan. All governors are members of it. They've been working together for 50 years. And so they said, let's build a team focused on COVID and share best practices, find ways to order personal protection equipment together, find ways that the federal government wasn't doing as good a job as they had hoped for, and allow them to work together. So we put together a pool of funds, almost finished raising all the funds, but that helped build this team to do that. In fact, it came out yesterday with a plan that was a joint governor's plan that they submitted to the federal government to help coordinate contact tracing and testing and antibody testing, et cetera. So it's a great example in my mind of how philanthropists can be those venture capitalists support to quickly put some funds in place to help people work together for common purpose and not substituting for government funding, but help set up the models that government funding can be more effectively utilized for. That's fantastic. Cause we did need some catalytic funding to get that off the dime here. They are competing with one another yeah. and the left hand, not really knowing what the right hand is doing. So to have philanthropy come in, help fill that vacuum and bring some order and process is an invaluable contribution during this time. Completely. It's way of helping people, understand the value of not necessarily have all the answers, but facilitate people talking with each other and coordinating. Exactly right. Well, let's get to self-inquiry. That's a very interesting term. How would you define it, Jeff? Self-inquiry is the process of continually looking at yourself and finding new discoveries, helping yourself grow, continually looking at how I can be a better partner with others, how am I interacting with people from my spouse to my family to my organization I'm working in to the way I work with others outside my organization? And how can I be better listener? How can I be better partner? How can I have compassion better for others? How do I allow myself to see myself in others? The mirror of the others is kind of the way people describe it. So it's working on yourself continually. And we're not ready in my perspective, many times when we come out of the business world, like I did, to continue to listen, sometimes we lean in and kind of think, oh, we have the answers, uh, we have some solutions, and when that's actually not true at all, allowing ourselves to say, hmm, how can I be a better partner in this world with all the different people coming together? So the self-inquiry process is a process of helping us do that. Yeah, 
Is there any research that points to the value of it? Yeah, there's a number of things. The Wellbeing Project actually has taken a three-year study of social change CEOs who've gone through a program of self-inquiry and found that the burnout rates are dramatically lower. People are staying in their positions longer. People in their organizations rate them higher than they had in the past because they seem to be better partners. And then the self-evaluations of ways that they continue to work in the world are much higher saying, I feel like I am contributing more outside my organization for larger causes. So that report did come out and it's in SSIR if anybody's interested. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So if you're a leader and maybe you read that report and you want to get started, but not exactly sure where or how, what would you advise? Well, we interviewed 30 different people with, with the way they go after and work on themselves and then how that reflects into the organizations they work for in, in the outside world. And there were 30 different philanthropists, social entrepreneurs, and uh, what I call orchestrators or system entrepreneurs, people that are helping unify others. And each one is a little different, which mm -hmm. I think is, is what we all ought to understand is there's no silver bullets here. It's all a set of tools. Some people go and do meditation. Today, because of COVID and many other things, Insight Timer, which is one of the apps, Headspace, 10% Happier, a bunch of others. I've seen people visiting their sites go up 100%. So it's a dramatic increase. So people are looking for these kind of things. So you can use tools like that. One person, Abby Fallick, a great social entrepreneur, uses her own diary and kind of comes up with a, a manual for operations for herself. Yeah, you know, it's a my... personal user manual she distributes to her staff. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so she's great at that. Or Peggy Rockefeller will go on retreats. And then Mark Berlini will work with sanghas, work with others, build a small group of people that can reinforce his practice and tell him whether he's off or not. Because many times we can't tell ourselves, eh, you're not so nice these days. So that's what he uses. So there's a whole set of different practices and tools that are out there. And it changes for people over time. It changes, <laughs> hey, I did this and that worked for me. I'm looking for something new. And How has it changed for you, um, Jeff, from when you started to what you're doing now? It's changed a lot. I've been doing it since 1973, 74, probably, yeah. in, in some kind of way. And so whether it's uh, meditation, whether it's Qigong, I did a practice around that. I've done retreats a lot. I, I try to do several a year. I do it by going to concerts. Music for me is a practice, is being in the moment and listening with a whole group of other people. Yeah. Well, you're going to have to change that one now. Well, I, I still try to get, there's some live music on, uh, even in the COVID days. Um, okay. <laughs> try to do that. It's, it's definitely more folk, <laughs> definitely more single performer. It's, it's fun to do. Yeah, yeah. But I guess the real uh, message there, too, is to just start now. Just get going and begin the process, even if you have to start slowly. Start now, and the process is not all just about yourself. You start mm -hmm. with yourself, and then you work with others in your organizations, and then rolling that into how you're reflecting yourself with other stakeholders that you're working with for common problems. So whether it's in the nonprofit world, whether it's in the for-profit world, whatever it is, it's what actions you take. It's not going in the cave and staying in the cave and working yourself all the time. That's actually a little boring at times. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you, you don't know if it's working or not. So you start going out there and using these tools, 
as you're operating to make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. Well, in a recent article in the aforementioned Stanford Social Innovation Review, you and your co-author, uh, Catherine Milligan, you address five shifts cultivated through this process. And maybe you can say a word about each of them, starting with shifting your perception. Speak about that shift. Well, shifting perception of how you see things, how you understand perspectives of yourself and others that you deal with. And so understanding what their viewpoints are, what their perspective is, and being able to almost repeat it back to them before you assert yourself into that. Um, beginner's mind is a good term that I've experienced where you go back to the beginning of your thought and rebuild, even though you know a whole lot, Mm -hmm. You build it with what they have as well, what their knowledge is about. That mindset allows you to then find that you have partners out there and that you can build something together with others. So that perspective change of it's not all about me, it's about others that you're dealing with. And I find that at, at New Profit where we've got this big... Uh, yeah, you're the chairman of New Profit, correct? I'm chairman of New Profit, yeah. Right. And under COVID, we still have been focusing a lot on inclusivity inclusive impact models where you get more proximate to the problem. You find people who experienced a prison, for example, something called Unlocked Futures, where we're doing some things with John Legend and a number of others, where you're sitting going, people actually in prison or who have gotten out of prison have some good ideas of how to change things. And, and that's changing your perspective, saying, ah, I as an outsider trying to fix it probably won't be as effective as somebody who's actually lived the system but mm -hmm. I can be a good partner in helping them succeed. So that perspective change is important. Yeah, yeah. The second shift is in emotional awareness. And boy, that can be so important for leaders trying to navigate their organizations through this crisis. Talk a little bit about the shifts in emotional awareness. Emotional awareness, you develop the skills to kind of manage stress and anxiety and the fear that comes with any job. And fear is clearly something substantial in this COVID crisis era managing that fear so it becomes not something that takes you over, but something that you can use and, and find that other people are in, in fear as well. And then start working on your curiosity. How do you come out of this? What are the mm. things you can do? And you know, what we found these days is that the opportunity for change is higher now than ever. And look at those things where, gee, in five years, we were gonna do more telemedicine. Maybe we can do more of that today. Mm -hmm. Gee, we were going to connect parents and teachers together. Maybe we can do more of that today online because there's never been more time that parents have spent with their own kids in their own homes <laughs> today. So you sit there going, oh, this is be aware of the opportunity to not just sit in your anger or your fear, but move it toward that curiosity, that compassion, and a little bit of joy, joy out of working with others still. And that's something that's not easy to work on with the standard models. And so a little bit of these skills and tools that we're talking about can help you kind of move into that more positive mind frame. Yeah. And I think in that positive mind frame, I do get a sense that people are thinking bigger about those things. As you said, we were going to do it in five years, we can do it today. There's something about this crisis that has people thinking in a larger context, which I find to be interesting. The third thing is shifts in organizational practices and culture. And boy, there are so many leaders who really don't understand or appreciate how their personal leadership affects the entire organization. Would that be right? No question. 
And there's a great, great friend of mine, Jerry Colonna, who wrote a book called Reboot, who talks about vulnerability for CEOs. In fact, they do retreats with CEOs that are all tech CEOs, high yeah. ones, and the CEOs end up crying at the end usually and, and figuring out what they are able to offer, but also admit to their teams that they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it's really up to all of them to come up with a common solution. It doesn't mean you don't lead, but it means that you're open to those other ideas and how you start affecting your own organization by allowing them to experience some of the tools out there of self-inquiry to kind of think through how they want to grow themselves as we're building different roles of collaboration and practice. And so it's very, very infrequently these days that you hear about a top-down we're just going to tell them to do it this way. It's, it's a bit more of a flat organization strategy. And so you have to use some of these self-inquiry tools to have a more unified culture and approach to yeah. solving the problems that you've been involved in. Yeah, I got a chance to read Reboot, and it's a great book. And uh, he kind of makes the point, too, that many of these CEOs are living out many of the things that happened in their past through their organization, but are doing so in a completely unconscious way. And when you bring that to the conscious, you begin to start to understand some of your behavior and how it affects other people. But as you say, it's that self-inquiry process that takes the time to really understand that and make it conscious. And it's up to you as a social change leader in whatever world you're in to help develop some of those skills and tools and help your team find their own unique path. Mm -hmm. One of the scary things sometimes is a CEO telling people their experience and they really should do this. Like you should go to transcendental meditation and that's gonna answer all problems. Not true at all. And so you have to be open to lots of strategies and and to be able to offer those to your own employees and your own teams. I think you once said that if somebody tells you there's one way to do something, you head for the hills, if I recall. (laughs) Because as you said, everybody finds their own path. There's a lot of different ways, a lot of different tools to get there. Next, we have shifts in the ability to partner with others. How does self-inquiry support that, Jeff? It's kind of hard to walk in and partner with someone when you think you have all the answers. And so this self-inquiry process, I think, makes it pretty clear that you have things to learn from others and that you can work well or better when you start looking at yourself and finding ways to listen better ways to have more empathy uh, with others. And so when you start doing that, you start discovering that they want to partner with you. (laughs) They are drawn to you as the collaborative glue that can hold the entire partnerships together to accomplish something bigger than yourself and bigger than your own organization. And that's really what I think a lot of people are discovering is it's not just about their group or their organization. It's really setting up awareness or or the ability to measure results on how you're accomplishing your goal against a more broad set of objectives that are beyond your own organization. When we were working on malaria, it was deaths from malaria. It wasn't how our group contributed to that. It was actually how are deaths doing and how are we as larger partnerships, you know, coming together around that. But that takes a little more perspective of what and how you can deal with others and bring them in as partners. Looking a little bit further, find people approximate to the problem. In the article, we talk about a group of Native Americans that really are in the middle of a lot of problems related to opiate addictions, for example, and understanding what their issues are rather than just coming in from the outside with your organization's 
things that worked in Boston won't necessarily work on an Indian reservation. Yeah. The partnership is key. Uh, and mm -hmm. the key test of how you're doing on your own self-inquiry process. Yeah, yeah. It really requires you to change your definition of success. And that leads really to the fifth one so well, and that is shift in systemic awareness. And systemic awareness requires a different set of leadership skills than those of a founder or someone leading an organization, correct? Yeah, I think it's the modern founder being able to think at the 30,000 foot level and then bear down and get stuff done at the 10 inch level and having that thought process. The self-inquiry helps you do that so that you're not just focused on your one organization and how it's going to contribute to the whole. We do talk about the CEO of Refuge Point, which is focusing on assisting refugees getting training so that they can get placed in countries that then want them. And he's put together this coalition between Mercy Corps and Women's Refugee Commission and State Department and country of Canada and a whole variety of others against this common goal. They're going to train 5 million people, refugees, in five years and place them. And that's a goal everyone leaned forward toward. And it's not just about what Refuge Point is doing. It's about what they all are doing together. And that started having people lean forward and saying, I want to work on that. These kinds of system-wide goals, the last one, another one I'll, I'll give you quickly is we're involved in the state of New Jersey. It's the 47th worst state for giving birth if you're a mother. It has some of the largest number of deaths from women giving birth. And why is that? Because it has a lot of low-income cities, because it has a deep African-American population. And so we worked with the governor there, along with Rockefeller Foundation, along with Merck, along with three other foundations and some NGOs to say, we're going to cut that in half in five years. And we actually have a plan to do that. And we have two people embedded in the governor's office. And it don't report to the governor. They report to the entire collaboration to guide the process, academic results, what works, what doesn't work. And the donors lean forward saying, I want to work on that. Yeah. It's not just one organization I'm evaluating. I'm actually going to accomplish something within a reasonable period. And I have confidence that they're going to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, People want to solve problems. Orientation. Mm -hmm. Finally, Jeff, and building upon what you said, in what ways do you believe that leadership is going to change in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors in a post-COVID-19 world? And how can this practice of self-inquiry help leaders meet those higher expectations that undoubtedly are going to be placed upon them? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Diver. We're seeing a lot of philanthropists now moving to today what their goal was in five years. Let's think about telemedicine and let's embed that in new health systems. Let's think about how to unify parents and teachers together using technology because parents are at home. These are things that have been talked about for a while and were thought to potentially be things we would shoot for in five or so years. It's happening today. Hmm. And so a lot of people are starting to think about what do I fund that not only is helpful immediately because people need it, but that would ripple and have a positive impact going forward. You really do need to kind of step back and think about that system effect. There's actually the great book that Dan Heath just put out called Upstream, thinking about not just trying to solve all the problems in the moment, but thinking about why the problems are occurring and who else you can work with to solve those problems. And there's another one called Community Solutions, which has cut uh, homelessness down to near zero in 30 different cities. And they discovered it's not about providing homes 
by themselves. It's about providing mental health assistance to veterans. It's about working with mothers and fathers with their kids so that they can get jobs and food. It's about all the social determinants around that. And they can now with the digital capabilities track every individual who's homeless and put together unique programs for them. That's the permanent solution. And so looking for those longer term permanent solutions. And I think what also COVID is doing in my experience right now so far is having people realize we do need a good health system. We yeah. do need to figure out how to work together. And we are more dependent on each other and how we all are looking at the problems rather than each of us trying to come up with our own independent solutions. You know, and if I can, Jeff, let me add on to that last question with this inquiry. You're the chairman of the board of New Profit. What role do boards have to play in changing these lens and this perspective? The boards should be great partners with the management teams. It should allow people to, and those teams to connect to the networks of the boards. That's what I try to do as a board chair is to have generative meetings and so it's not reporting. It's actually how do we start working together as a team to accomplish the goals that we have, whether it's in early childhood or whether it's in workforce or whatever it might be. Each board member has their own unique networks and passions and engaging those will increase the odds of success on your own organization accomplishing its goal and other organizations who you become partners with because of those boards coming together and supporting the longer term objective. It's not just about being a fiduciary. It's mm -hmm. truly about lowering your walls and becoming a partner. Listeners can get the full article about all of this on the website of the Stanford Social Innovation Review. Are there any other sources or resources you would suggest if people want to amplify uh, a little bit on all that you've said today? Yeah, I, there's a, a link from the article. It's called Self-Inquiry for Social Change Leaders. And there's a link to a set of interviews we did for the article that I recommend to people who are looking to find different ways of approaching self-inquiry. And whether it's Mark Bertolini, who's CEO of, of Aetna, or Peggy Delaney, who is uh, head of Synergos, or whether it's Sasha Chanoff or Refuge Point or Abby Fallick or others, each one is a little different. And I think looking at this social leader perspective from the philanthropic side, the social change leader side, will help you determine what makes sense for you. Fantastic. Well, I just want to let you, Jeff, how grateful I am to you for taking the time to share all of this with us today. Thanks very much and be well. Thank you. Have a good one.